Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Kevin McCarthy's true coalition partner on all things of substance has been the Democrats this Congress. He worked with Democrats on the debt limit bill, and only Democrats are really campaigning on that bill. That's just part of what Representative Matt Gates had to say before the next day going to the floor of the House of Representatives and filing the motion to vacate, meaning Speaker McCarthy should no longer be speaker. All this because of a continuing resolution that was passed clean, if you will. But even though it was clean, it still did not give Democrats everything they wanted, did not give Biden everything they wanted, yet there were definitely Republicans who voted no, including in the Senate, one of them being Senator Mike Braun of Indiana. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, always good to be with you. Senator Mike Braun joins us right now, uh, the Senator from Indiana, also a candidate uh, for governor in the state of Indiana. And, and sir, let's first talk about the continuing resolution itself, not the motion to vacate or anything about that just yet. You were joined by Senator Marsha Blackburn, Ted Cruz, Mike Lee out of Utah, Rand Paul out of uh, Kentucky. One could almost describe them as the usual suspects. What about the continuing resolution was unacceptable to you? So uh, we also had a couple newcomers, J.D. Vance and Eric Schmidt, uh, that just recently got elected. So we're getting more. So the problem with the CR is it's the same song and dance. Uh, we've used that mechanism, Tony, in now the fifth year. This has more drama to it simply because uh, we have a slim margin in the House. But leadership in general, they like CRs uh, because then, first of all, we haven't done any budgeting that we've adhered to in over 20 years. I've been on the budget committee, and it's like a useless appendage uh, to the U.S. Senate because there's discussion on woke issues generally, nothing about reforming the place. So when you do default to a CR, you got to remember this whole journey started October 1st, 2022. So over a year ago, it's not like it snuck up on us, but they use it to cloak the system to where most senators don't have any uh, part of what we end up with, use the government shutdown as a threat for urgency. So anybody that's voting against the CR is voting against the general dysfunction that it represents. So what it did do in this case, there was enough uh, concern about the southern border among Republican senators, finally, and there it went against what Schumer and McConnell wanted to do, which was to pass our own version that would have uh, had uh, Ukraine aid in there, very little attention to the border because Chuck Schumer's not interested in that. So that's kind of the general backdrop of where we're at. And Kevin McCarthy would be of any of the leaders uh, the most willing to stick his neck out to say that something's got to give. But there are enough uh, conservatives there on the fiscal side, roughly 90 of them, that uh, said otherwise. And you can see in the U.S. Senate, there were only nine of us, even though another 10 generally would not like the dysfunction we've got. They generally won't buck leadership. 
So the the no was was predicated on the fact that dollars went places you didn't want them to. But as as I read the continuing resolution, nothing uh, about this CR added money for Ukraine. So was this a Ukraine conversation specifically? It was a border uh, discussion as well, which is the first time here recently that's risen to the level of importance and it needed to address those that want uh, more U.S. aid to Ukraine, but also don't want to decouple it from the southern border. Because politically, most Republicans and most Americans would probably figure what's happening down there is probably of greater significance of what's happening in Europe. That's not to dismiss it, because it's a potential powder keg looking at it from several different angles but and then it's all couched in the fact that when i got there five years ago we were borrowing a trillion dollars a year record territory now it's a trillion dollars every six months so probably most of the senate senators voting against the house bill that was a statement on sooner or later that will be the biggest issue when you throw medicare trust fund going broke in about four years uh, Social Security trust fund in about nine, and we've known both of those uh, items for decades, not to mention, if you're good at arithmetic, the amount of interest we're going to be paying on the Biden budget of $42 trillion in debt in five years, $52 trillion in debt in 10 years. So it's got a lot of moving parts to it. Talking to Senator Mike Braun, you can find him at braun.senate. Gov. Uh, let's go back to the continuing resolutions that they first wanted to put forward, where you saw the the whether you want to call it the Freedom Caucus or others saying no to it. Those certainly had uh, some more teeth. It's not that I'm supportive of continuing resolutions, but those would have had more teeth. Were there any of those continuing resolutions that you would have voted for? No, because all that spending, Tony, is not baselined on where we were pre-COVID. And that is the big thing that Americans have got to understand. Uh, We now have the federal government at way over 25% of our GDP. It's never historically been outside of a war over 20. We never raise in revenue more than about 17.5 or 18%. So that is the reason none of us that really believe that is the biggest issue facing our country for future generations will vote against it and that's on principle so uh, all and these crs by the way remember are the result of doing no budgeting and even appropriations that's all cloaked the last time this occurred we had a 4100 page bill dropped in our lap i think two months or so after the end of the fiscal year with two days to read it uh i mean at 140 in the morning so all of those are the real ways that this thing works so you got a lot of different reasons i was happy to see there were at least 90 uh representatives a far greater percentage of the republican party there that says the aggregation of everything we've talked about is beyond the pale and until we start doing something we're going to have more of it year after year so let's discuss what it would take to get ourselves some spending bills you'd be okay with because in the deal that Speaker McCarthy set up, 
with President Biden, 12 appropriations bills, each one of them individual as opposed to some amalgamated mess, have to be passed. If they are not passed, then you have a 1% cut across the board, including in defense spending. This is sometimes referred to as the penny plan, one penny out of every dollar. Therefore, it's a 1% cut uh, across the board. These appropriations bills, have you taken a look at them, garnered any any thoughts on them? I believe three or four have been already passed by the House of, Re- of Representatives. So the first part of the question is, have, have you looked at them? And secondly, do you approve of this idea? Was, was McCarthy right in setting up this standard? So two things for it to get my vote, if it would come to the Senate. And number one, Tony, it won't pass there because Chuck Schumer would not allow it to pass, and he'll get 10 to 15 Republicans to come up with a counterpunch or proposal. But if it took it back to pre-COVID spending, whether you did that through the penny plan, uh, I took a balanced budget um, bill that gave 10 years to get it as a privileged motion about a year and a half ago, and 17 Republicans voted against it. So a lot of it Uh, Yes, if it had true reforms, like a no-government shutdown bill, which leadership won't bring to either uh, chamber, or a no-budget, no-pay check bill to put some real teeth into it, in other words, reforms, I'd vote for something like that. But if it's voting for something that looks like it's a cut, but it's based upon uh, spending uh, post-COVID or somewhere in between, I'm not going to go for that. No one should. Does this mean that you would favor Kevin McCarthy being removed as Speaker of the House? Not necessarily, because that's a political thing that whoever would take his Let place. me interrupt for a second. I rarely do, so okay. let me interrupt. Not necessarily a political thing. If the argument is that we're not getting enough cuts, the argument would be that the leadership, meaning Kevin McCarthy, isn't bringing enough strength to the conversation, convincing enough members, pushing back and working with yep. those conservatives that you are hailing in the House, and therefore it's a lack of leadership. I don't know if that's necessarily two different things. Okay, and you got a good point there, but they'll have to wrestle with that among themselves. My point is whoever would replace him inherits the same thin margin with no Democrat interested in budget reform. And I don't know how that really changes things. And when I look at what Kevin has done, he has been of the four leaders. Uh, Of course, you know, were Jeffries and Pelosi. They orchestrated all this with Schumer. And then McConnell has many times been on board with this, especially if it's got the military component in it. So I don't think you can see that there's going to be any real solution if he is replaced. And that is for them to figure out. I don't know the inside scoop of what he has done, what he has backed off on. They'll have to figure that out. I just don't think it'll make a lot of difference. When you see what Congressman Matt Gates is doing, certainly while you don't have to have a, a vote on this, it would be, I, I think, surreal to think that there's no thought in the Senate about what uh, should happen. Is there a feel in the Senate that Gates is right and McCarthy should be replaced? I would say in the Senate there would be more of a feeling, not necessarily representing mine, that McCarthy has done as good a job as he can given the situation. And I think in this case, um, they'll have to decide 
whether there's anything to be gained by changing the leadership. And that is nuanced because of what you observe and all of us do. Even in the Senate, you don't know who is going to be for or against a given move that would come from the Speaker. And until he would have more protection with a bigger uh, majority in the House, we'll see in 24, then I think you could really measure him for whether he's more a part of the problem or he's more part of the solution. Talking to Senator Mike Braun of Indiana, candidate for governor in Indiana. You can find him at braun.senate.gov. On the border conversation, it would seem to me that after watching Governor Kathy Hochul in New York talk about how we need to uh, be working on the border and slow down. It seems that it's open in her words and everyone's coming in, which is, of course, true, claiming amnesty uh, uh, when, or asylum, I should say, when, of course, they're not asylum seekers. They're economic migrants, which is a different conversation. Seeing what's happening in New York City, seeing what's happening um, in, in Los Angeles, in San Francisco, across the country, that there would be a okay let us together work a plan to make this better. That plan does not seem to be in the offing. Are there no Democrats willing to work at all on creating a safer border? That is starting to wobble because when you get uh, the governor of New York and Mayor Adams saying, despite the fact that we were an open sanctuary city, we can't take it. And thank goodness uh, Governor Abbott uh, did something that at least wakes some of these knuckleheads up, whether that's going to sink in in California. I think it's already apparent in places like Arizona. So I think that uh, pendulum is swinging back in favor of some type of border security. Now, who are you going to listen to? The Border Patrol, when I and about 16, 17 other Republicans were down there, shortly after Biden took over, they said, clearly, you're going to have to complete the wall in places where It doesn't need much to get it done and add some in high traffic locations and then throw more personnel and really show that you're going to do something about it. Don't let people come into the country uh, saying asylum when you know most of them are trying to leave a bad situation warranted for many of these places, but it's economic reasons. Biden has gamed it to where he thinks everyone coming in will benefit him down the road, the Democratic Party politically. And they are in, I think, now between a rock and a hard place. Because that was a big issue when I ran back in 18 for Senate. It is a bigger issue now because it's amounting to about 250,000 to 300,000 people a month between uh, actual greetings at the border and the gotaway category, which is now up to about 70 or 80,000. And they're not coming in here in a wholesome manner. Uh, they don't want to greet. And we're up to over 100 nationalities that are being brought in by the Mexican cartels, and they're paying a much bigger fee. It's got so many things that work against it if you've got any dose of common sense. And, yes, now's the time where we need to leverage it, and I still think it would be hard to get, at this point in time, too many Democrats in the Senate 
on board. When you talk Thanks. about people starting to wobble, maybe an opportunity, you go back to March when you uh, put forward uh, a bit of legislation that would prohibit the purchase of U.S. farmland by those associated with the governments of Iran, North Korea, China, and Russia, uh, the idea of the Chinese buying land near U.S. military bases, and, and, and others as being the Communist Chinese Party. Even Senator John Fetterman uh, in a kind of rambling statement as often happens, discuss the fact that, that our enemy should not be able to own land in the United States. You've got this introduced with Senator Tester of Montana in a very, very tough um, uh, re-election campaign in Montana. Are you starting to see move uh, on this legislation, the Protecting America's Agriculture Land from Foreign Harm Act? Yes, because when you talk about uh, Tester and Fetterman, you're at each end of the political spectrum within their party. And uh, geopolitically, it's very clear that China and their cohorts uh, are going to be the issue down the road. And why we would not do something to put a wet blanket on that uh, with the behavior that China has exhibited uh, in terms of trade in general. A lot of people are moving their supply chains out of there, and there's good reason to do it. That gets very complicated as well. But, no, that is a fairly – high-profile, significant bill that I think has a chance of uh, really gaining legs. Typically, it takes two or three Congresses, Tony, which is four to six years to get legislation of consequence through. This has got a chance of maybe moving more quickly. Senator Mike Braun of Indiana, braun.senate.gov, also a candidate for governor in Indiana. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. So on that subject of the vacation, no wait, the vacating, much better. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. That's supposed to happen today. I am keeping an eye on the house session right here. And right now they're, they're, they're not in it at all. Kind of policy failures. Additionally, just as families have started taking advantage of provisions in the Inflation Reduction Act that reduce their home energy costs. Just hearing Mary Gay Scanlon, Democrat from Pennsylvania, talk about this makes me never want to run for Congress. And I've thought about it. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. I, did I say that already? I forget. Uh, the vote. There, there's actually supposed to be a vote on this today. And what is interesting is that Pramila Jayapal, I don't know if she's spilling the tea, the leader of the Progressive Caucus for the Democrats, she got asked. So will Democrats vote uh, no, will unanimously vote no on that? We are following our leader and we are not saving Kevin McCarthy. Oh, okay. Now, who actually had a bet that they would? Who had a bet? that somehow the Democrats are going to be like, no, 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 let's keep him a speaker. It's fine. It's good. And we'll vote in favor of him. That's it. This isn't the Senate where you have an Angus uh, King and you have a, a, a Kirsten Sinema and a, and a Bernie Sanders who are independents, even though they caucus with the Democrats. And it's not that, you know, Bernie isn't a, a, a commie and, and Angus wishes he was as popular as Bernie. It's that sometimes they do things that are Maverick-esque, I guess is the way you would call it. I don't know who fits that bill in in the Senate. I'm sorry, in the House. I do not know who fits that bill and is willing to go against 
uh, leader Jeffries. Democrats don't do that because they know the punishment is severe as opposed to Republicans where the punishment is not. Is Gates right? Is Gates wrong? It's a worthy conversation. There's an argument in every side. We'll break more of it down. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz today. All right, I, I've come across a video. And, and I, I don't want you to laugh. Um, this is a Walmart. I don't know where. There is a woman on the ground. She is a black woman. She is very overweight. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. There is over her, not kneeling on her, not no knee on the neck, none of that stuff, a white police officer putting her in handcuffs. I have zero context to what has happened to the moment the camera has been started. The, uh, uh, Jason, uh, uh, Jason uh, produces the show here. Uh, finger on the dump button. I did give it a listen. I think I'm all right to the very, very end. But just in case I missed something, finger on the dump button. This is the scene in the Walmart. <laughs> There is candy strewn about the floor. This woman is missing her left shoe. And there is a crowd of about 30 people just watching. This is what's happening. The crowd is black, the crowd is white, the crowd has its phones out, and they're all recording. Now, we might learn about this story. We might find out something about this story. Or we might find out that this woman didn't like the fact that she was doing something that would cause her arrest and decided to scream racism. Screaming racism is, of course, in fashion. It happens all the time. The um, social media influencer Meatball, I don't know if you know this story or not. This is, of course, Philadelphia, where they didn't like how uh, a, a charges were dropped against a police officer involved in, in a shooting and so uh, the, uh, there, were, there were riots and there was looting that took place everywhere. One of the people who was egging on the looters is this social media influencer, Meatball. That's how she refers to herself. She got arrested. 
she was shooting video, uh, allegedly egging people on to do the looting. After the arrest, where in the mugshot she is crying while she was cheering the looting, she does a video to say, you know, how, how she's traumatized. She's been traumatized. I don't know how much she cared about the people who were looted. She was traumatized. Her lawyer has now come out to say, and I'm quoting here, it sickens me to witness the media's compliance what only can be described as an all-out assault on black and brown people as their character and actions are mercilessly vilified. Um, what? We cannot afford to disregard this insidious injustice. Did she participate in looting? Did she move other people to loot? Did she is she somehow an accessory to this theft? That in and of itself could be a crime. What does race have to do with any of it? And the answer is it has nothing to do with any of it, but just go say it. The problem with these two situations is that just like so many situations before it, we become numb to the real issues. We become numb to actual bigotry. We shouldn't be. We shouldn't be numb to actual bigotry. We should be aware of its existence. We should be aware of when it happens and we should say something about it. But you'll notice nobody calls it bigotry when a tremendous number of NFL fans say, could you please stop talking about Taylor Swift for five freaking seconds, man? Want to watch football. I want to watch Zach Wilson not get it done, if you don't mind. Oh, and the amount of abuse Zach Wilson is taking. He's the quarterback for the Jets. He actually had a very, very good game, but that last quarter fumble cost them uh, some opportunity. They battled back. He threw. But the sport... uh, he, he hasn't been playing well. He wasn't supposed to be playing. Of course, it's supposed to be Aaron Rodgers for the Jets. Aaron Rodgers has the Achilles injury. He's out for the season. Zach is who they have to go with. And the sports guys, oh, he's garbage. On national television, oh, he's garbage. Then there was one guy, I, I forget who he was, talking about, you see, the, the issue with Zach Wilson, you see, the issue with Zach Wilson is that, you know, he's he's never been in a position where he had to uh, deal with the consequences of his actions. And I actually have the the, the two clips here. One from, uh, I think think it's one from Amazon Prime and one from from NBC. Let's say, do I, do I I have it? I I know I have it. Then what you anticipated he would be watching him on tape, and you could be honest. Um, Honestly, uh, if I'm being completely honest, we knew it was going to be a battle. He's, Continue to get better week in and week out. And he's continued to lead week in and week out. But watching that tape, man, you got to look at this dude and say, oh, he is garbage. Like, we should we should really tear him apart. The guy calling him garbage is one of the commentators there for NBC. The person defending him is a player for the Chiefs. You want an NFL player to start calling another NFL player on national television garbage. Was that Rodney Harrison? Is that who it was, Jason? All right. 
That's messed up. But it gets weirder. Earlier, like I said, Zach Wilson is special, man. You just got to give the guy time. You know what I wait, mean? Wait, 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 wait. Did you say Zach Wilson is special? Yeah. I think he had a special night, but I don't think he's special. I've got to prove that over the You're special because you proved it over a course of time. <laughs> now that's a fine commentary. I don't think he's special. I think he had a special night. Calling a guy garbage is different, but okay, all right, it's sports, it's fine. Wait. He's not special. I'm just saying, Chris. Hey, listen. You mentioned one word, accountability. Let's understand who this young man is before we ask him to accept accountability. He's a young man who grew up with a lot of money. I don't think he's ever had to accept accountability. And so now on the biggest stage, we want this quarterback to accept that doesn't resonate at all. Like, but, I mean, he's a tough-minded kid. He's Steve, come through. I mean, everyone's he's never had to challenge. I mean, he hasn't had to accept the accountability. And so now on the biggest stage, we want this kid to be an adult in front of grown. That's Booger McFarland. And that's Steve Young, who is objecting. He, he comes from a lot of money. He never had to take responsibility. Is, is Booger McFarland trying to make the claim that Zach Wilson, quarterback for the Jets, uh, is there because of white privilege? Too many of the sports guys are awful. Too many of the sports guys just want to desperately weave this stuff in. It's what calling a guy garbage I think is just wrong. I don't think that's bigotry. I think it's just wrong. Going down the road of white privilege is disgusting. Why can't he just be bad? There are quarterbacks out there who are bad. Yeah, he's not as good as everybody else. I don't know if you got to call a guy garbage, but in the, in the world of, of, of professional sports, it's something that you're going to hear. White privilege, get out of here. Get out of here with that crazy. To bring race into this is to create a diminishment of the potential issues that exist. To be somebody screaming, Walmart is racist. Does this? It doesn't mean Walmart's racist. It means you're ridiculous. I don't even know if you did anything wrong. You're ridiculous. Not as ridiculous as I was discussing the NFL wanting to talk about Taylor Swift every four seconds. The backlash has been harsh. Now, Taylor Swift is popular. Taylor Swift is probably the hottest name in in entertainment right now. But if you're going to cut to her, what was it, 13 times during the uh, Jets-Chiefs game because she may or may not be dating... Taylor Swift, or she might not be dating Travis Kelsey. No one, no one cares about this. Nobody wants this. They just, they just want football, man. Why do you keep trying to force feed us things that we don't want? Are there people who will follow who Taylor Swift is dating, who Taylor Swift is seen with? Oh, look, she's with Ryan Reynolds. Oh, look, she's with Blake Lively. Terrific. Hope she had a good time. But the fan wants football. The fans want to talk about the game. They're not interested. 
Now, some people will tell you, my God, Taylor Swift's bigger than the NFL. She should be the only thing they talk about. Well, then go about creating the Taylor Swift show and talk about all things Taylor Swift all the time. I assume there's already a podcast, the Taylor Swift show, where we talk about Taylor Swift and nothing but Taylor Swift. As a matter of fact, I will produce that podcast. I will put up the money. Somebody has some some kids who want to talk about nothing but Taylor Swift. I'll set it up. Got you covered. But I don't want it when I when I watch the game. You could argue that for America, Taylor Swift is actually more popular than the NFL. You can't argue it for the fan. The NFL fan doesn't care. Doesn't care. Stop trying to sell people the thing that isn't real. Don't scream racism when you're on the floor getting arrested at Walmart. Because you're just screaming it. It doesn't mean anything. You have been taught that somehow this is acceptable. Why? Because this is what progressives taught you. Progressives taught you that uh, a progressive theory that based on color of skin, everything that happens to you is some kind of bigotry. You are always the victim at all times, and you should always be on the lookout for that for that moment of, of where you are victimized. That's what the whole concept of intersectionality is all about. At every moment, everything is conspiring against you in every way. Have a nice day. So if you end up stealing or looting or what have you, and you are a progressive, you can claim that it's because of bigotry if you're black or it's the system if, if you're white. It's the, this is the problem with capitalism. Progressivism always tries to provide you this outlet to why your unacceptable, despicable, awful, horrible behavior can be condoned, can be excused, can be brushed aside as, eh, you just pulled a fire alarm, no big deal. Oh, the fire alarm. The fire alarm. Jamal Bowman, did you catch Jamal Bowman? Never mind that he pulled the fire alarm on purpose. He pulled the fire alarm on purpose to try and stop a vote. And the ladies of The View, you know, they got a, they got a, they got a whole theory. They got a whole theory of, of, of what really happened here. Sonny Hostin, she, she, she's uh, Inspector Clouseau. She's got it all broken down for sure. And, and I, I don't want to call it a stunt yet. There's going to be an investigation. <laughs> I know Jamal. And so, again, I'm a little biased, but the doors that are normally open so that he could get to the chambers to read were somehow miraculously closed. How did that happen? And so, yes, sometimes you're freaking but out and you're in an elevator it goes and you're pressing to what all the buttons. You were saying. It goes okay? to them not having the time. It is quite possible that he was trying to get and there and the, and the door, not panic, but, you know, if you're not looking because it's a door that's normally open, you just go and you press a button. You didn't look at a fire alarm, Whoopi? You sound ridiculous. And you think the door was locked on him on purpose? No. It turns out that door is always locked. And the sign was very, very clear. But Jamal Bowman, in trying to explain this away, sent out a missive through his office to all the Democrats of ways you can change the conversation. And what did he say? Tell Republicans to deal with the Nazis in their own party instead of worrying about Jamal Bowman. 
called Republicans Nazis. Then he gave an apology that never should have happened. We should not have sent that. You pulled a fire alarm to stop a vote. You interfered with the actions of Congress, which I am told is unacceptable. And your response is, call Republicans Nazis. If anything explains progressivism and the ugly nature of it, it's that. He's taking responsibility for his own actions? No, he's telling people to say call Republicans Nazis for noticing his illegal activity. Somebody, let's say, is shoplifting. They get arrested. They scream racism. There's nothing to do with racism at all. Nothing. A quarterback isn't good. It's white privilege. Progressivism is some of the worst mindset ever invented. And what it does to people, it dest- it ruins their humanity. It rips it right out of them. Why am I not a progressive? That is just one of the many, many reasons. I like my soul. I think I'll keep it. I'm Tony Katz. There is going to be a nationwide alert. Dun, dun, dun. I, I, I don't think it's going to sound like that at, at, at all. Might, I don't know. It might sound like this. Although I think that might freak some people out. It's going to be tomorrow in the 2 o'clock hour Eastern Time, 2.20 p.m. It's a the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, a test of the National Wireless Emergency Alert System. No action is needed. So it's going to happen on radio. It's going to happen on TV, happen on your phone. So let your kids know, let your friends know if they get this message, not to panic. All is well, all is good. It's going to be tomorrow at 2.20. That's going to happen. This is Tony Katz today.